Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. Uh, We are in week two of Advent. That word means coming or arrival or to come. It's that time of year where we're reminded together of Christ's first Advent 2,000 years ago when he arrived on the scene. And we're also reminded of, uh, in hope, of his second advent when he will usher in his kingdom, the culmination of his kingdom. And until then, we wait, often in a weary fashion, and we're reminded every year and hope in his second advent. The historical themes of advent are these, hope, love, joy, and peace, week one, through four, again, hope, love, joy, and peace. And so the second week, we light the love candle, if if you will. And the title of my message is A Weary World Rejoices, A Return to Love. And uh, so Pastor Aaron and I have had a difficult time saying this, uh, try saying that five times fast. And so we thought we would uh, turn to some of our kids for some help. Take a look at this. Hurry, hurry. That word weariness, uh, Cove Church, is it's extreme tiredness, it's fatigue, it's uh, the state or condition of being physically or mentally exhausted by hard work. It's exertion, it's strain, tiredness again, and fatigue. In J.R.R. Tolkien's work, The Lord of the Rings, Bilbo said to Gandalf, I'm old, Gandalf. I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel it in my heart of hearts. Well-preserved indeed. Why I feel thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. He says, that can't be right. I need a change or something. I wonder if you've ever felt that way, like butter spread over too much bread, weary in that fashion. The Old Testament ends, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, with the word curse. And uh, humanity slips into what theologians would call kind of this four or 500 year period of uh, the, the, the silent years or the intertestamental period where uh, many theologians would say there, there wasn't a, a ton of new revelation. God wasn't active necessarily uh, with the Jewish people. No new prophets were raised up. I personally don't believe that this was uh, you, you know, a time of, of discipline. And frankly, we, we could make the case that there was a ton of spiritual activity going on, and yet it seems there were no uh, new kind of prophetic revelations. And so by the time Jesus shows up on the scene, Cove Church, he breaks into a weary people. He breaks into a weary world. This was a people who were weary socially and physically, emotionally and mentally as an occupied people, but mostly they were spiritually weary. They were waiting on the long prophesied Messiah. They had been told over and over and over again through their prophets throughout history handed down through, through the generations of people that there's a Messiah coming, there's a Messiah coming who will make all things right, and yet they awaited in weariness. 
Today I want to walk us through the entire book of Habakkuk. And uh, I want to warn you that this book is not a sitcom fashion book. And therefore this message uh, is not going to be a sitcom message. I wonder if you know what I mean by that. Kind of, kind of a situational comedy is where that word sitcom comes from. And, and usually it's kind of a three-act structure where act one, if you grew up on sitcoms, act one, it kind of introduces a main plot and subplots and, and you know, some of the, some of the characters. And then and act two, the, these, these characters engage the problem and try to solve it and usually make it worse. And then act three, <laughs> is that the, the plot line is resolved and the characters return to the status quo all within 30 minutes, you know, commercials and all. And even though Habakkuk does have three chapters, kind of even act one, act two, and act three, it does not follow the arc or the narrative or the structure of a sitcom sermon. In fact, uh, m- many pastors preach, Pastor Aaron and I, and others on our staff will, will share kind of in a sitcom fashion. We develop a struggle, kind of a tension, maybe something that we're wrestling with. And, and then, you know, we, we're, um, we're able to apply scripture and come to some sort of kind of close that loop, some sort of application. It can be a very effective way of communicating. It isn't bad. I'm just letting you know that this message is not, it's not going to necessarily resolve. Our regional executive director uh, prior to Pastor Chris, his name is Pastor Gary. He's on the screen. Take a look. He, he and his wife, Joe Neal, they served Open Bible on the Pacific Coast, Pacific region for over 20 years. And um, at our regional conference in 2014, I was there uh, in Spokane. He woke up one morning and he couldn't see very well out of his left eye. It was a little cloudy. He didn't say anything. He just, he told Joe Neal and they prayed and they continued on with conference. And when they returned, um, he went to see his doctor and they ran a battery of tests looking for, you know, all of kind of the, was it neurological? Was it cancerous? Was it, you know, was there something going on maybe with his brain? And they couldn't figure it out. They just kind of gave him this general diagnosis, kind of a, a long worded diagnosis that essentially means this, the death of the optic nerve. And, and they didn't know what caused it. Let them know, however, that um, one in five people that this happens to, they will eventually lose the other eye. Not very good news. And so he goes on with the next kind of five years of his life. And then he's, he's on the mission field in Costa Rica, just like the exact same, essentially the same mission trip that our team just got back from. Uh, I want you to notice both doing the Lord's work on a missions trip. He's on his way back. He's in flight And all of a sudden in his right eye begins to act up like his left eye had done five years prior. He lands, go, um, you know, it's, it's late at night. He had recorded, uh, the duck game. He goes to bed. He wakes up the next morning and he goes to watch the duck game and he couldn't see the TV. It was just all kind of, kind of white in front of him. Fast forward to March of 2021. Gary's now fully blind, diagnosed, learning to live that way. He receives another diagnosis, cancer, a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. And so months and months of radiation and surgery and recovery. Culture, what do we do when what we see doesn't line up with what we believe? We believe that God is a healer. We just talked about it here within the last week or two, this idea, John chapter nine, where God heals the blind man. What do we do when what we see, what we're experiencing doesn't line up with what we know and believe 
about God? What do we do when we marry the person of our dreams and they step out on those vows to keep themselves only unto us as long as they both shall live? What do we do when we read about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 and he comes to his senses and we, and we hear stories from our friends who have been praying for their kids who are coming back to faith and we raised our kids in the faith. You know, the Bible talks about raising up a child in the way they should go and when they're older, when they're old, they, they, they'll, they won't depart from it and yet our kids seem to be moving further and further away from God and we've cried out to God, we've prayed and it's almost like the more we pray, the further they move away from God. What do we do? What do we do when we hear stories of God healing cancer and then we get the diagnosis of cancer and so we begin to pray and we begin to wrestle and move in faith and we begin to work with our doctor and and that cancer goes into remission and we receive some good news and then later we receive some really bad news that the cancer is back with a vengeance. On the screen is another friend of mine. His name's Chris. He actually succeeded Pastor Gary as our regional executive director. I guess you could say that Pastor Chris is the boss of me. Uh, he's the boss of uh, Pastor Aaron as well. Uh, in late 2020, Pastor Chris and Lisa thought that Lisa had um, beaten cancer after an aggressive kind of regimen Um, you know, treatment, chemo, bilateral mastectomy, radiation, only to have it return unexpectedly in October of 2021 with even more aggression. And the way that it manifested is that she had a collapsed lung and and they found out that the cancer had spread to her kind of her lymph system and Pastor Chris had to drain fluid off of both of her lungs twice daily. They prayed and they worked with their doctors on a new regimen and they prayed some more and they prayed some more. And just this last February, they were married for 36 years. They celebrated, they had dated for four years. And so they celebrated their 40th Valentine's Day together on February 14th. On the morning of the 15th, um, after a brief time of prayer and some I love you exchanges between Chris and Lisa and between Lisa and her kids, she passed away. Church, what do we do when what we see, what we experience doesn't line up with what we believe about God? What we're experiencing doesn't line up with what we know about the power of God. When bad things are happening and they don't line up with what we believe about the goodness of God. It can be weary, waiting for that to resolve. I wonder if loose ends especially painful loose ends, drive anyone else crazy other than me. We need a resolution. Maybe we need a resolution to that fight with our spouse that's been running for days now, maybe weeks, maybe months. We need a resolution to that long-running family feud that started 10 10 years ago or maybe two decades ago. We need resolution to the sickness in our body that we've been dealing with for weeks that has baffled the doctors. So I want to warn you again. I want to remind you that this message is not necessarily a sitcom sermon where the characters go back to some status quo. Habakkuk, uh, 
Habakkuk joins 11 other prophets in, in Scripture as what are known as the, the minor prophets. And it's not like the major leagues and the minor leagues where these prophets are more important and these prophets are less important. Really, it has to do with their length. They're, they're shorter. So Habakkuk, just three chapters, you could read it, frankly, in just a, a matter of minutes. Habakkuk prophesied, as best we can tell, about 600 years prior to the birth of Christ. And so uh, about 200 years prior to that intertestamental period, kind of those silent years that I was referring to. He's unique in all other prophets in, in uh, several different ways. Number one, most, not most, all other prophets essentially represented the heart of God or the voice of God to the people. But Habakkuk essentially, in a way, represents the heart of the people to God. It is, an, it is entirely a, a, a dialogue between two people, Habakkuk and God. And we have Habakkuk here. Uh, 2,600 years, asking some similar questions that millions and millions of people are asking today. Why doesn't God seem fair? Where is God? So what's happening is Judah has fallen into kind of moral depravity. There's corruption. There's decay physically and financially, spiritually, emotionally. We don't know all of the ways, but it is, it is a bad scene. And kind of the moral, uh, the moral depravity is affecting those people of, of faith that's spilling over into multiple worlds. And Habakkuk is calling out to God, God, where are you to heal this and fix this? Kind of the story is wrapped up in Habakkuk's name. It means to embrace and to wrestle. And we'll see that as we read through Habakkuk. It means to embrace and to wrestle. Chapter 1 uh, I think that we could probably break Habakkuk down uh, this way. Chapter one, wondering or asking questions. Chapter two, waiting and watching. And then chapter three, almost like a reset, we move to worship if you need an alliteration. So wondering, waiting and worship. Chapter one, take a look at verse two. It says, Lord, how long will I call for help and you not listen? I cry to you violence, but you don't deliver us. Why do you show me injustice and look at anguish so that the uh, devastation and violence are before me? There is strife and conflict abounds. The instruction is ineffective. One translation says the law. He's referring to the, the law of God. It's ineffective, Habakkuk tells God. It's, it's not fixing things. What you have given us to kind of correct this isn't working. However theologically correct that was, these are the thoughts of Habakkuk. He says, justice does not endure because the wicked surround the righteous. Justice becomes warped. Church Habakkuk has questions of God. He kind of lays out his case. He's wondering, God, where are you? You've given us the law. It's not working. The moral depravity is spilling out. It's affecting all of us. And we seem to be slipping further and further away. Maybe an application for us today, Cove Church, is that it's okay to question God. It's okay to cry out to God. God can handle our deepest existential questions in life, and yet it can get wearisome. What's interesting is God answers Habakkuk. Look at verse 5. He says, look among the nations and watch. 
Be astonished and stare, he tells Habakkuk, because something is happening in your days that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. God, in one translation, says, I I am doing something that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe. To which Habakkuk would say, finally, A, God heard me, B, he answered me, and C, he's going to finally do something about it. But look what God says. Verse 6 and verse 7, I'm about to rouse the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, same. That bitter and impetuous, impetuous nation which travels throughout the earth to possess dwelling places it doesn't own. The Chaldean is dreadful and fearful. He makes his own justice and dignity. Okay, wait, God. That is not the answer I wanted or I was looking for. I asked you to remove our reproach. I asked you to remove our pain, to stop the violence, to bring justice. And yet what you're telling me is you're about to make it worse. You're raising up the Babylonians to bring punishment on us. What we need, God, is relief from this pain. What we need is healing from this pain. I wonder, Cove Church, in your journey with Jesus, if you've ever been here, where you cry out to God for relief, for healing, for change, maybe like my friend, Pastor Gary and Joniel, Pastor Chris and Lisa, and it gets worse. Talk about wearisome. And so chapter one, it doesn't resolve. It's about wondering. It's about, it's about questions, legitimate questions in life amidst deep pain. I want to move to chapter two. And so maybe you're in a chapter two mode of kind of waiting and watching God. Look at how Habakkuk responds. Remember, part of his name means embracing. He says this in verse one, I will take my post. I will position myself on the fortress. I will keep watch to see what the Lord says to me and how he will respond to my complaint. He receives an answer from God, but he's not necessarily satisfied with that. He has more questions. And so instead of kind of retreating from God or isolating from God, he says, I'm gonna take up my post. Church, I wonder what your post is. In other words, I'm going to move further toward God. I'm going to embrace God. I'm going to set myself up in such a way as to give myself the best chance to hear from God. Maybe for you, it's a time of worship. Maybe it's being with God's people. Maybe it's being in God's house. Remember, church isn't a building. It's people. Maybe it's spending time in God's word. Maybe it's developing a a Bible reading plan. Maybe it's working with one of our pastors to kind of learn how to pray, learn how to sit in silence and listen to God. What is your post? Cultures, what, what could the Holy Spirit be speaking to you about what your post is? Maybe you have exhausted all of your questions like, God, I, I don't know what other question to ask you but I'm not gonna stop embracing you. I'm not gonna stop wrestling. I'm not gonna stop embracing. And so I'm gonna put myself, I'm gonna post myself right here and wait and watch for you to answer. How well do we wait on the Lord? A 
God honors Habakkuk's waiting and watching. Look at verse four. He says, some people's desires are truly audacious. They don't do the right thing. Look what he says here. But the righteous person will live honestly. One translation, probably the most famous translation is this. The just shall live by faith. What's interesting, Cove Church, is Habakkuk is not referenced He's not named in the New Testament at all. And yet he's quoted three times in the New Testament. And all three are this verse right here at the end of verse four. But the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.13 and Hebrews uh, 10.37. What's interesting about that is in the New Testament, it doesn't necessarily tether itself to the original context. What Paul does there in Romans and Galatians, and if Paul wrote Hebrews, he ties it to salvation. The just will receive salvation, not by works, but through faith, which is a fine usage of what Habakkuk was saying there. But the original context is how to live during difficult times. So God comes to Habakkuk as he's at his post, waiting and watching for God to answer. And God effectively or essentially says this, I'm not going to change your circumstances or your pain. I'm not going to bring justice in in the way that you want or in the timing that you want. But I want to give you a blueprint on how to live through the painful times that you're living in Habakkuk. And you will do it by faith, which means you will make it through Habakkuk. You're going to make it through this, but you're going to make it through living by faith which means trusting me. You're going to have to trust me. And then we move to chapter three, co-church. So we move from wondering to kind of waiting and watching and God shows up, but this is not resolved. The pain isn't resolved. The, the oppression isn't resolved. The moral depravity isn't resolved, but God's present. And it's almost like this reset in chapter three. And, and, and we can miss it right, right in chapter one. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say this. Chapter one of Habakkuk or verse one of Habakkuk chapter three could be one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. He says this, the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shijanath. Shijanath. This is what pastors say when they mess up. I'm just kidding. You got to work with me, Co-Church. It doesn't get any better. Shijanath, we don't know a ton about this word, but it appears to be a musical word. So essentially all of chapter three, it's a prayer written to music. Habakkuk sets this prayer to worship. What we do know, at least what we think we know about this word Shijanath, is it, it's like it's, it's direction on how to sing. Like some of our worship leaders, you've noticed it, whether it's Winston or Stephanie or Anthony or Gordon, they, they'll say, hey, Cove Church, why don't you sing this song quietly with me? Or, or why don't you clap with me here? Or, you know, Cove Church, let, let, let's sing this with, you know, with, with some, you know, enthusiasm and high praise to God for, you know, with all that we have, let's sing this together. So that word shijanath, as I, as I kind of studied, it's, it's to sing with strong emotion, with impassioned exuberance. It's wild, passionate singing. It's high-spirited praise. It's vigorous enthusiasm. It's praise punctuated, one author said, with exclamation marks. Isn't that interesting? Shijanath. 
It's like this reset in Habakkuk. He takes God at his word that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it through this by faith. And the, and the outcropping of his faith is I'm going to worship and not just worship quietly or silently. I'm going to worship with high praise, with shijanath. Look at what verse 16 says. I want you to look at the wrestling. Remember wrestling and embracing in this worship, in this prayer of worship. He says this. I hear and my insides tremble. My lips quiver at the sound. Think about my friends, Pastor Chris and Lisa. Think about Pastor Gary and Joniel. Think about what you're facing in your life. Rottenness enters my bones. I tremble while I stand, while I wait. There's that word wait for the day of distress to come against the people who attack us. He's wrestling. Habakkuk is wrestling in his worship, but he's also embracing some of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, 17 through 19. Habakkuk says this, though the fig tree doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, though the sheep are cut off from the pen and there is no cattle in the stalls. I'm empty handed. Though all of this happens, all of the pain going without, there's no fruit on the vine. He says this, verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. Come church, I spent some time with Pastor Gary and Pastor Chris, both on the phone in preparation for this message. And Pastor Gary, he said a few interesting things to me. One of them was this, Brandon, I've had to wrestle and come, come to embrace not just God's imminence, but his transcendence, his imminence. We love the imminence of God, which is true that God's close. God speak to, speaks to us. God wants relationship with us. He's imminent, the incarnate God. And yet he's also all at once transcendent, that he's above us. He's outside of us. He's completely self-contained. He's omniscient. He's, he's omnipresent. And he doesn't owe us an answer. And that's something that Pastor Gary said, you know, Brandon, growing up in the Pentecostal church, we had great, we, you know, we had our sights set on the imminence of God. But I don't know that we have done a great job embracing the transcendence of God. Pastor Chris wrote an article for our denomination. He sent it to me. And the title of the article is this, Losing Lisa. And I quote at the end, he says, but as followers of Jesus, we are somewhere between reality and realized hope. And while we don't grieve as those who have no hope, we cannot rush the grieving. Nonetheless, I'm convinced that God is okay with our questions. I know that Jesus sits with us through the process. It's tempting even now for me to wrap this up like the end of a story. But if you have lost someone, and are not yet through grieving, and you haven't discovered the answer, or haven't yet realized the hope you've been waiting on, that's okay too. Jesus will sit with you through it. Cultures, where are you today? As you're reminded of Christ's 
first advent where he broke onto the scene into a weary world, a desperate world. And as you wait in hope for his second advent to make everything right, are you weary today? Kind of have you, you know, are you in the season of asking God a lot of questions? raw questions, or maybe you've exhausted that and you've kind of just moved into this place. Maybe you've isolated from God and the Holy Spirit would be nudging you back to take up your post and embrace God, even when it's painful. I wonder if you could join us today, join us this week, this season, as hard as it may be, as hard as it was for Habakkuk to begin to lift a high praise to God. This idea of shijanoth, high praise to God. Let me pray for us, Jesus. In all of our unanswered questions, in all of our unresolved tensions and pain, there's something in us that realizes that the sitcom life is not real life. That often the weary life, the unresolved life, the open loop life is the real life. And it reminds us that we need you, God. We need you. It reminds us that the just shall live by faith. That we're gonna make it through this living by faith. It reminds us, God, that yes, you are imminent and yet you are transcendent and we're not gonna always understand your ways, but you are good and we can trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.